And the 302 feds have me dropping Brennan right here. Didn't ask you to do that. Yeah, well, you didn't have to, Dougie. Come on. They told me Brendan Leahy was coming down here to roll up on you with a Glock 21. So I came over here and I put him in the ground. They're nine years for it. Now, you don't go to thank me, but you're not walking away. I'm grateful for everything you've done for me. Your family took me in when my father went away. You're like a brother to me. But I'm leaving. You shoot me? Go ahead. But you're gonna have to shoot me in the back. You know, to me, that movie gets better with time. That, of course, is The Town. If you haven't seen The Town, it has uh, become one of the iconic Boston movies. To me, that was an exchange between Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner in that movie about crime in, and bank robbery and deceit and revenge in Charlestown. And it uh, was a story originally conceived by Boston's own Chuck Hogan, to be more specific, Canton Mass's own Chuck Hogan. And we're going to talk to Chuck Hogan today on the Boston Podcast and hear how he came up with the idea for the story um, about Fenway Park, about how he conceived of uh, baseball's holy cathedral as the site for the ultimate heist in that movie. We're going to hear about his brushes with Hollywood and um, a TV show called The Strain that Chuck works on now and a new project that he has told very few people about. You'll hear about that at the end of the podcast on the Boston Podcast. And by the way, this is David Yaz, co-host of your show. This was formerly Unbillable Boston. We changed the name. You are uh, listening to the rebranding and relaunch of this podcast, and our tagline remains the same. Um, <clears throat> here at War Stories from Boston Icons. That's what we do on the show. It's really not much more complicated than that. We talk to people in business, law, politics, philanthropy, media, and entertainment. And today, the chat with Chuck Hogan is just fantastic. You hear a lot of great stuff about the entertainment world and, and what Chuck is up to. I am joined, per usual, with uh, my co-hosts, Max Perlman from Hirsch Roberts and Sarah Worley from Worley Conflict Resolution, and Mark Freiberger, an attorney with Freiberger and Washenko, who is a friend of the show. He stops in as well. And uh, it's, it's a great one, so you will not want to miss this. You can look at all of our past episodes at thebostonpodcast.com. If um, you want to book someone for the show or if you'd like to be on the show, email me directly, my friend, davidlyas at gmail.com. davidlyas at gmail.com. Let's get to Chuck. Let's get to the show. Happy Monday. A slightly belated happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Enjoy it. Have a great week, everybody. This one's for you, Boston. Washington's a different city than it was 20 years ago. The hope rises again, and the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder. This is our city. Yes, it's our city. It's our podcast. It's our community. It's our prerogative and right and privilege to be with you today our loyal listeners, and um, I was about to say happy Friday, but in your world, listener, it's Monday, so 
Happy Monday, I guess. And I hope you enjoyed your Father's Day. It should, always, uh, it should always be Friday in everybody's world. It, it should be. Up here in the noggin, it's always Friday. Always Everybody Friday. have a little Friday. Um, and so I'm here with uh, with Max Perlman, per usual. And we're sitting here in the studios of his office. I use the term loosely. We're in a conference room. It's very nice, but it's still just a conference room. We lovingly refer to it as the Boston Podcast uh, Studios. And uh, we're at Her- uh, Max's law firm, Hirsch Roberts, right here in downtown Boston. Uh, and we have a special fill-in co-host, Mark Freiberger, from the law firm of Freiberger and Washenko. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. You had nothing better to do on a Friday afternoon. Absolutely yeah. not. Okay. Mark's a friend of the show. And uh, our guest today, this is awesome. It's simply awesome because um, we were just talking off the air. We should have been rolling. And we were talking all things media. We were talking about uh, movies and bad Boston accents in movies. And our guest, Chuck Hogan... Uh, knew everyone because he is uh, a king of sorts when it comes to the media. You probably know Chuck as the author of Prince of Thieves, and Prince of Thieves is known as a best-selling novel, which was so good it was turned into a movie, which I hope you saw called The Town. That one was, of course, starring um, Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. And in fact, you know what? If you haven't heard it, take a listen to this. You'll remember this scene. Tell you what it is, you can never ask me about it later, and we're gonna hurt some people. Whose car are we gonna take? That's isn't that? <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> and Chuck didn't have his phones on, so it's the. It's I the, heard it. It's, I oh, heard you heard it. You know that scene, right? That's that's one of the. There's a couple of great lines in there that aren't in the book. I can't take any credit for that one. That's I was gonna ask you if that one's in the book. No, that's all. Okay. Ben Affleck and uh, Aaron Sockard, who uh, uh, worked on the script. Yeah. Great. So, um, and by the way, Jer- Jeremy, I can't get enough of Jeremy, Jeremy Renner right now. He's he's um, awesome. He's knocking it out yeah. of the park. And you know what? He's a super, super cool dude. Super so you, cool dude. So were you on the set of the movie? I was. Uh, I was on the set twice. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. See, I, I had been. I I worked on the movie for about a year on the script before Ben Affleck came onto it with another director. And then uh, when that director was invited to leave, I was invited to leave with him. So I didn't have any sort of contact with him. I was literally. I got news that they were going to make the movie. I, I saw it on the internet. I said to my wife, I, th- I think they're going to... So the, the headline said, Ben Affleck moves to the town. And I said, I think, <laughs> I think we're going to get a movie. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, hadn't heard anything from them at all. And, uh, and it was, uh, they shot the Fenway Park stuff over it was like a 13-day road trip, you know, West Coast road trip. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend who worked for, uh, for the Red Sox who uh, got me in. So... He sort of stuck me in, and I'm watching them. They were crashing the uh, ambulance into the uh, into the uh, state police thing, and I'm yeah. watching all these. I'm watching, you know, 200 people working on this on the movie version. They obviously of shot this story that they I obviously shot up. that at Fenway. They shot, yeah, yeah, they were all over there. Uh, what time of year was that? Out. This was September of 2008 or nine. I guess nine. Nine movie came out in 10, 2009. So anyway, so... That worked out because I think we, we missed the playoffs that year. You know, uh, right? well, I don't know. It was not, was not right. year. So that, that must have been strange kind of being a voyeur. Um, it was, well, yeah, that. so it was really cool. So, you know, we, we, we sort of went where we sp- weren't supposed to go. We were going deeper into Fenway underneath where they were going to do some of the uh, some of the stuff where they're dressed up like uh, police officers and going around. But we got to a point where we, we couldn't tell if, it, if we were seeing real police officers or extras dressed like police officers. And all of a sudden, you know, we're like standing around, and we hear someone say, "Like, all right, you know, quiet, rolling and stuff." And I turn around, and right 
to next to me is this old guy sort of sitting down reading a newspaper. So I'm like, Teamster, I think we're good. Stay right here. <laughs> so we're listening. It's like, blah, 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 bang, 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 cut. And I turn to my friend Jeff, and I'm like, I think they just shot a scene. He's like, yeah. And then around the corner comes Ben Affleck, dressed like a, uh, a dressed like a cop, and he goes by us, and he takes a look at us, takes a look at me. I had never met him before. Kept going, and I was like, we got to get out of here. So we scooted out of there. But Wait, then, why, why aren't you revered on the set? Right, you, this, this is your story. Can you imagine how awkward that would be for me to be, you know, like, hey, by the way, I wrote this. They'd be like, we don't care. Get <laughs> <Really? TFO. laughs> They're the, nothing with the us. But, uh, but I got to go on there officially uh, the end, and I spent uh, the whole day with uh, Ben. We had lunch, and he was, at, at that point, he'd been on the movie for so long, he knew the book better than I did, because I'd been you know, off of it and on mm. other things. So that was, uh, it was really cool, really cool. So as long as we're on that subject, that, well, first of all, what you said is, is kind of ironic, because you couldn't tell the real cops from the actor cops, which is actually the, the twist in the movie. Right. The, 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 bad guys, exactly. the bad guys are, at one point, they're in, they're in the cop unis. Um, to be discreet and uh, but God that's a great scene and so uh, how did you get the inspiration I have so many questions Chuck but we'll start with this one since we're on this subject uh, how did you get the inspiration to have a heist at Fenway because um, you know uh, at first when I heard about it I said oh, that sounds cliche you know Fenway is so um, you know uh uh, Iconic. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's like, it's too obvious, but geez, did it come up. That it, it's such a great part of the story. Well, I was, uh, you know, the, the book is set in the mid-90s, and it's obviously, it's about bank and armored car robbers. But you can't, you know, it, it's sort of a, it's kind of a rule in drama or in, you know, fiction. You, you want to keep building and building. So the book starts with a bank robbery. And then there's actually, there's a movie theater robbery that gets changed into the North End uh, robbery in the movie. And, uh, the one where they're wearing the nun exactly in the, the movie. nun one and the and the great car chase in the book that was a, that was a bank in the book it was different yeah it okay. was actually a it was a movie theater because the thing oh, was sorry. I was still looking for you know cash businesses in the mid nineties and you know this is still I mean obviously you could use a credit card but it was mainly it would be a, a yeah. lot of money at a big summer you know uh, movie whatever anyway so I was literally I didn't know where it was going to go at the end I, I knew that it couldn't go back to a bank uh, I had to do something and. Um, I don't know, Fenway Park just, you know, there was, it's, it's a, obviously it's a huge cash business. I figure a Yankees homestand, three-day weekend, you go in at the right time, there's going to be a ton of money. And, and then that raised all sorts of really interesting questions for me, which is like, how do they get the cash in? How do they get the cash out? When right. does that happen? Because uh, it's, it's physical. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't just wire it out. They've got to physically carry this stuff around. And so, uh, you know, I did, did a lot of fun research going to Red Sox games and snooping around. And um, now they just give it to Hanley Ramirez, and he gets to take it home. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, the yeah. thieves are on the field now. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say this: the, you're, you set the book in 1994, and I think the Red Sox pretty much sucked that year. So plenty right. of people probably wanted to rob the list, right? But it probably uh, wasn't very busy. But um, you, um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. But one no, thing, one I, thing I, I, no, I got it, Chuck. Mm-hmm. One thing I was going to say was, um, uh, my my son uh, Griffin is uh, buddies with your son Declan in, mm-hmm. this, in in the same grade. They play hoops together and stuff like that. Um, and and incidentally. Um, Typically, uh, my son and I, our team loses before we get to the finals. So what we do is we do the color commentary on TV. So there've been at least twice I think I, I was calling the action involving Declan, 
and and couldn't it was just dying for him to steal the ball so I could call him the Prince of Thieves. So, this has uh, been your Sheridan you. basketball <laughs> moment. Brought to you by David Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Can I ask you an actual question? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait, it was all no, no, you, 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 you lost My question is when you were when you were writing the book and were you thinking about the potential that it would be made into a movie? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I certainly, that was definitely a hope, you know. Um, I mean, it's, it took me a good 10 months to write, to actually write the book. I've been researching it for many years before that. So, of course, you're going to, you know, daydream about that stuff. Uh, so I did, but I didn't think about it. I, it didn't affect the writing so much. It was more like I would show my wife 20 pages and she would say, literally, this is her, you know, she would say, like, uh, you know, Ben Affleck would be great in that. And this so is so that's what, that was my next question. Yeah. You envisioned somebody in that role as, I really as you were putting pen to pen. Yeah, no, she was casting it constantly. <laughs> oh, is that right? Uh, constantly yeah. casting it. Um, but no, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't. and uh, But I did have a lot of, you know, obviously you work on something that personal for that long. You have a lot of hopes and dreams for it. The one thing I never really envisioned was having uh, a movie premiere at Fenway Park, which is what happened. Wow. Unbelievable. I mean, just to be there, they should, they put up a screen uh, over the third base uh, dugout, and uh, we all sat there. It was a beautiful night in September of 2010, and uh, watched it, and uh, it was just crazy. That must have been surreal. It was unbelievable. You have unbelievable. a place in Red Sox history now. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, my only place in Red Sox history was when I got drunk and ran on the field that time. It didn't end well. Anyway, that's a joke. Guys, Jesus, lighten up. That's Wait, awesome. The... Thank you. <laughs> Wait, where are the last... My fake last... So can we hear a little so more about... Hold on, hold on. Basketball. Well, I, I remembered the other thing I forgot before, and that what I was going to say was I saw a, a clip... Um, uh, it was a YouTube clip of, of you doing a panel discussion at BC, I think, uh, or someplace. At any rate, you were talking about research for the film, and mm -hmm. you were talking about how... Um, you need to do some research about uh, Brinks trucks, mm -hmm. you know, the trucks that carry the money. Oh, yeah. And you said that's a lot harder than it sounds <laughs> because mm -hmm. because it's hard to find the information. And you also don't want to be snooping around these these trucks, kind of casing them, right? Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's where it was great to have young kids because, uh, and uh, it, it's it's like it's like you know if you're gonna buy a buy a certain brand of car, you start seeing that car everywhere. Working on this thing, things kept happening. I remember my mother was in the hospital and she was a smoker, and so she's out in front, shouldn't you know? hooked up to an IV smoking armored car truck pulls up right in front of us so I'm just like standing there watching and learning and I remember being at like Kohl's again with I had like a two year old you know toddler and the guy goes by with the uh, with the dolly with like the change order on it so, Kohl's and the and Walpole Mall Kohl's and Walpole Mall the Brinks truck see I would never yeah, have noticed that but, I mean it was no, I'm Brinks but it was some other uh, right. anyway so we go out so I just I take the two year old outside and he's toddling around and uh, and I'm just observing you know this is your daughter this is uh, let me th I don't know who I have, four. I have four it was one of them okay um, <laughs> and I and I see the guy with the earpiece and I see they've got a little parabolic mirror on the parent. door and they open up and, and it's just you know kids are a great cover for uh, for uh, researching yeah, sweetie go up there and ask him what he does next go ask him when he gets one. we're not advocating using your children as a cover to actually commit crime just in no. case anybody out there had yeah. had some thoughts like that went through my mind but uh, no yeah, yeah. the, the uh, Max is about to step out of the room yeah so my the reason I brought up my son and then was so rudely interrupted 
Max was that he's he's obsessed with heist movies, oh, and cool. so I so he hasn't seen the town yet because it's rated R, yeah. and I'm kind of biding my time. I mean, has Declan seen rated R movies? He, you know what? Well, they show he, it. I, I should ask the question: Has he seen your movie? He, ha- he has. He uh, has. He has seen my movie when they show it on. Uh, they show it on TNT like once every couple of weeks. Mm. So I recorded that the clean version, smart, there you where go. it's like Mother Scratcher, and uh, <laughs> and uh, right. he's, so he has watched that version of it, but not the so full one. You pulled this off, and to me, the best thing in a heist movie is when the the trick to the to the, the success of the heist is something so simple. Like it's not like we all think in order to rob a bank, what do you, you need like automatic weapons and you need to go in with guns blazing. But in the movie, for example, Quick Change, if you remember that, it's a comedy. But but with with Bill Murray, mm-hmm. he goes in as the the terrorizing clown who's cracking jokes, even as he's he's setting up explosives all over the place. He, um, he, his accomplices are disguised as people in the bank, and then he does a, a title relevance, quick change, and changes into a different outfit, and comes out as a hostage who has been dismissed by the evil clown. So they don't realize. You guys, are, have you seen this movie? Yes, I no, have. In the movie, I know you have, Chuck. I have seen it. Anyway, but the point is, it's like, it's like that was like, as soon as you saw that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's how yeah. they did it. The problem so, is, that right. twist comes about 25 minutes into the movie, and the rest of the movie is them trying to one. get out of yeah. uh, Brooklyn with, uh, with the money, and they can't catch a bus. And it's, uh, exactly. It's still worth seeing, but it does yeah, that, that's, that, that's a twist. Better it does kind of go down. Sure. Although Better. a memorable appearance by Tony Shalhoub is the weird yep. uh, bus uh, cab driver. Better heist story. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven or Reservoir Dogs? Well, Reservoir Dogs far and away. I mean, Ocean's Eleven. You know, it's it's sort of uh, you know that they're going to get away. Do we get a you ding, know, ding, ding. Well, that was um, answer. Yeah, we'll get, uh, we, you know what? I'm still not sure what happened in Ocean's Eleven. I've seen that movie thirty times. It's still confusing. Like the the they had the the bags of cash that they took out, but replaced them with the, something else. That it, it there are a lot of flaws in that story. If you really it, it like it, it hurts your brain if you really start to think about it, but. Why was Reservoir Dogs such a great heist? Like there was nothing clever about the heist, was it? The heist itself wasn't. It was the. It was it's, everything it's around it. It was the planning for it. It was the aftermath. It was. It was the infiltration of it, which was which was really fascinating. I saw yeah. that that movie came out in nineteen ninety two, and I was still working at a video store, as was as Quentin Tarantino had been, and I saw that movie, and I was like. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a great movie, and this guy is totally kicking my ass. And then I sold my first novel in nineteen ninety five. Uh, well, four, yeah, it came out in ninety five, and I sold, and and it sold the same week that he won the uh, Palm Door at for Pulp Fiction. And so we were in Newsweek together uh, as two Excellent. video store guys who uh, who oh, you know cool. were making something happen. Which what was video really cool. Is. I worked at uh, it was a chain called Video Smith. It was like the big Boston mm-hmm. chain in the. Late 80s, early 90s, until Blockbuster came in. And uh, at the time I sold the book, I was working over on Huntington Avenue, right near uh, Symphony Hall, right okay. like Northeastern. Mm-hmm. That was the standoff. That was the standoff. Still available on Amazon, I presume. I'm sure it is. Yes, no, for fans that, I mean, you know, Prince of Thieves, uh, most people know that, but you, go back and read the rest of uh, Chuck's books. Um, uh, what were we on before? I feel like I have so many more questions about yeah. ice movies. How many, how many points per game did Griffith score this year? Um, that not enough. This, the final shot fell short at the buzzer. <laughs> Mark, you were going to say Yeah, I, I have a question. So <laughs> I hate to bust okay. into this conversation, but... Please do it. Please, so, I'm begging you. Chuck, I'd like to know, you are now, you've made the transition, I think, from being an author to writing, working on a... Uh, producing a, a show which is on cable called The Strain. Mm-hmm. 
Um, how different is it writing for a book, a novel, versus writing a, I was going to get to that, Mark. A, a, a weekly show. Well, I, I didn't know because I thought maybe we could sidetrack on basketball, so I want to make sure we... Now, hold on. No, that, thank you for bringing that up, Mark. I'm only kidding. Um, so, right, Chuck Chuck writes... Now, first off, you wrote the, the book, The Strain, with... Mm -hmm. uh, and I love this guy from uh, from uh, The Usual Suspects, Guillermo del Toro. No, I'm just kidding. Different guy. Different guy. The author, Guillermo del Toro, who... Uh, I was actually reading his bio today, and he's he's probably best known for... It's, it went straight out of my mind. What is he best known for? Well, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, Hellboy, uh, thinking, Pacific yeah. Rim, most right. recently. Yeah, so he's he, and he produces movies now. Um, how did you get hooked up with him and, and tell us about writing The Strain with him? It was about six months before Pan's Labyrinth was going to come out, and uh, he had had this TV deal, actually, over at Fox, and he was pitching them this uh, story that involved vampires, and they were... You know, they were trying to find some comedic way into it, and he's, you know, was completely flustered and uh, frustrated. And either I'm not sure if it was his idea or my agent, but someone has pitched him like, "Why don't you do it as a book first, and then you'll do it the way you want it to do it? You'll show it to them. You'll say, this is what I want to do.'" And uh, and so my agent said, "You know, uh, he knew that I was interested in horror, but I'm really a crime writer. That's my prime interest. I, I can never. I love you know horror books. I love Stephen King." Um, so this was a chance for me to sort of do something outside my profile, but safely, you know, like Guillermo and I doing it together, so it's not too confusing, you know, brand-wise. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw, now I confess I haven't read the book yet, but I did see, I saw the trailer, the, I was trucking out the trailer today, and having seen some clips from the show, not only is it hard, I mean, it is way out there, it yeah. is pretty disturbing stuff, like, I mean, for fans of horror, you're going to love it, like, it's all kinds of... You know, uh, like uh, serpent-like creatures coming out of like uh, vampires' yeah. mouths and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's, it's super heavy. it's yeah. super weird and it's crazy. Is that a, it's and it's a part departure for you? Right? Uh, totally. I mean, yeah. the great thing about working with Guillermo is that's his. You know, that's his. Uh, that's his specialty. He was all over what they, what the creatures look like, you know, what their morphology is, what their biology is. Um, so anyway, so we, you know, we connected, uh, we had uh, breakfast uh, at the New York Film Festival, met like 2006, and uh, he pitched me a story. I loved it. We started working on it. We worked on it for a year on just a, a handshake, and uh, when we, when we th thought we had something that was good, we, uh, you know, we took it to uh, publishers and, uh, all three were New York Times bestsellers, and the whole time from day one, I was like, "This will make a great movie." And Guillermo was like, "No, it's going to make it's, it's it's this is this is a TV show." And I'm like, "This is 2006 when TV was really terrible. There was The Sopranos, and Two and a Half Men. I don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, So I was like, "All right, whatever." But you know, he he was able to you know see it all. So once we finished, uh, once we published the third book. Uh, he went to you know, networks and FX. Uh, totally got it, and uh, our second season starts July twelfth, Sunday, July twelfth. So you wrote, obviously, you wrote the books, and then from there you write the teleplays. Co-wrote the books, uh, co-wrote the pilot to the TV show. Yeah. So he and I are both, you know, the co-creators of the show, and I'm an executive producer on the show, but I'm also a writer on the show, so I do a lot of different things. Um, I, now, you, now he's just showing off, guys. I mean, don't. I mean, I'm just answering. But what question. you really want to do? <laughs> I'm sitting. This is like a deposition. I'm simply answering the question. But uh, well done, exec well writer, uh, creator, <laughs> executive, executive <laughs> producer. But what he really wants to do is direct. By the way, um, you were going to say, Sarah? I was going to say that our guest's position is executive producer. It's yes. obviously different than my. Position. You're as producing the show. Producer on this. Show. Yeah, I'd say there's a slight difference. Yeah. Yes. Maybe just a little bit. 
never, uh, Madam Producer, may we go to a break? I, I wish you would. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to a break before something really horrible happens. Join us on the other side, the Boston Podcast. And by the way, check us out on thebostonpodcast.com. We'll be right back. This is Pete Moser from Hirsch Roberts Weinstein, and you're listening to the Boston Podcast. Sounds good. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Boston Podcast. Visit us online at thebostonpodcast.com. Mark Freiberger, try to keep the noise down when you're serving wine to someone. Oh, it was to yourself. Um, we're having a blast here today because we're talking with Chuck Hogan, who is uh, a writer, originally uh, a novelist known for Prince of Thieves, but he's written for TV. His books have been adapted to uh, the big screen and the small screen. And I get, Chuck, this is just a sort of passing observation, but your, your bio on HarperCollins Publishers, the, people, the good people at HarperCollins need to make you f- sound more... Um, Uh, Impressive. So I'm going to read exactly what it says. It's only going to take me a second because it's brief. It says, Chuck Hogan is the author of several acclaimed novels, including Devils in Exile and Prince of Thieves, which won the 2005 Hammett Award, was called one of the 10 best novels of the year by Stephen King, and was the basis of the motion picture The Town. And it continues, Chuck Hogan es autor de varias aclamas novelas entre las cuelas Prince of Thieves, que ganó el Amet Award 2005, y well, you get the point. Why is it in Spanish? It's for our Spanish friends. I, I, I don't know. You got me. It, it reminds me of the, that movie La Town. It, El Towno. El Town. It reminds me of the on the Red Sox podcast where Jerry Rummy is so impressed yes. that he can say, Buenos noches, amigos. Yeah, right. So um, you mentioned one one thing and Chuck we could talk to you all day about entertainment because uh, I think everyone in this room is, is sort of uh, uh, popular culture geeks but um, you talked about how in 2006 when your your co-author Guillermo del Toro um, co-author on the strain um, was talking about turning that into a TV show TV wasn't necessarily the um, the place of of high culture, right? It wasn't. It wasn't where people were doing great work. And and I was thinking about this last night because I was someplace where the TV show Full House was on, um, and that thing runs on a loop on on uh, some channel. Yeah. But why are you giving me funny face? Full House. There's bad TV still on syndication. You realize this, right? Sarah, do you watch TV? <laughs> Sorry, I really don't. But I'm sort of. Sh- I'm shocked you do. I'm shocked you have time. I was also shocked. That no, I wasn't watching. You're it. watching full. I wasn't watching it. It was on. I believe me. I wanted to change the channel, but it. But yeah, but okay. that show is so bad. Like it's it's and then I thought about it. TV generally in the '70s and '80s, what passed for good TV really wasn't. I mean, if you go back on like Happy Days, I mean, we. I think I loved Happy Days, but you can't really call it. But Good going TV. back to Full House for a moment, well, isn't this like more, so. big shoulder pads and big hair kind of thing? Oh yeah, but the acting okay. is so the lines are so bad, the, the canned, canned laughter. But all those shows, you could spin them yeah. out. Family Ties was clever. Like that one was was pretty good, and Michael J. Fox is pretty talented. But 
There was a question here for Chuck somewhere. Yeah. But it's somewhere along the line, and you mentioned off the air The Sopranos. That might have been turning the tide where you, why not? You can, you can tell these stories in serial fashion on TV and be really good at it. And now, it's like, I can barely keep up with all the great TV. So, it's, so tell us your, how you viewed that phenomenon. And also tell us what you watch now. What do you binge that. watch? The yeah. same, I mean, I, I view it the same way you do it. It's like growing up, like I, you know, I watched uh, way too much TV, but it never even occurred to me to want to write TV. It just seemed like, I don't know, I just wasn't there but now everything's changed now the movies it was like and I'm sorry to interrupt you but yes. it reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where um, George is, uh, George says I'm going to write too Jerry says you're going to write he says you're not a writer he goes what writer it's a sitcom right. exactly <laughs> exactly we, we we, we've gone two episodes without a Seinfeld reference by Dave which is yeah. a record so well, we're back we're back, Good. On, back on track okay. Um, but yeah, you know, movies now are either huge, you know, um, comic book movies or I don't know what. I mean, there's, there's yeah, not a lot of in in between stuff because TV has filled that. Yeah, there's a lot of and you can do stuff that's uh, you know that's that's real. And I know what what Guillermo saw back in 2006, and he's absolutely right. Is that you can take characters and you can really you can play with them narratively. They can go through changes. You can see them up. You can see them down. You don't have to to you know just watch them over the course of 90 minutes go through some sort of arbitrary change and and that's it you can really you know dig deep and uh and get in there and that's what we try to do on the show i mean going into our second season everything changes you know it's really a lot of fun <clears throat> to have established these these characters in season one and now season two is like season 2.0 it's like everything changes and they're thrown into a whole new situation and different dynamics and um it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to have something open-ended like that. Can we binge-watch The Strain? Because I haven't seen it yet, I confess. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You know, I think it's on Hulu now. Actually, FX is running it. If, you can find it. I, oh, we'll I, find I, it. You can I'll find it. Find it. All the various sources. It must be challenging when you're writing one of these these types of series now, like The Breaking Bads or The Strain or things, things like that, Mad Men. Where you don't know when your time's going to run it's out. Very kind of you to throw 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 them all in together. In there with but you, you don't know when your time's going to run out. You, right. you may have a season to develop all these characters, and that series is going to stand on its own for for eternity. Right. And for people to watch it, it I mean, it, how, how do you how do you balance? The I mean, need? I th honestly, I think that's the problem with TV still is that shows overstay their welcome um, a lot. Our show is going to run no more than five seasons. We've already we we set that out from the beginning. We told. FX, you know, no matter what happens, I mean, you can cancel us before we get to five, but we're not going to go beyond five. So we actually have, as we did with the books, and, you know, honestly, uh, we did the same thing with that. All three were bestsellers. They definitely, uh, you know, uh, they would have loved more, but we we're like, this, the story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the TV show is going to be the same way. So we don't have to have to do that. I wouldn't want to do that because, uh, yeah, because then you just have to start there's a huge difference between exploring the space and taking char characters and putting them through things where you want to go as opposed to trying to stretch things out and trying to create right. nonsense just to fill hours and, and there's so many TV shows like. have like the, the just strange <clears throat> twists and new characters that, that, that you don't quite buy and all of a sudden the show isn't quite what it used to be Did, like Cousin Oliver <laughs> yeah, no. that's the ultimate right but did um, oh my god right did, did <laughs> FX Guarantee you five no. seasons up front. No, no. so okay. no, no. so no, you were you were still sort of season to, to season. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we hopefully and we'll watch the second season. Are you? Is it parallel the books to the to the seasons? Loosely, I mean, there are three books. There's five seasons. The first season covered a lot of the first book, but even there, you know, we had to invent. We had to introduce a lot of uh, new things and, and new characters. Second season, 
you know, it takes some of the second book, but mm-hmm. not all of it. Um, so it's been fun, you know. For me, it's been great to go back to this, uh, you know, story that I really like and pull it apart and do different things with it in a different medium. It's uh, great. So do, do you do, it, how does the, the show differ from something that might, are there moments where things generally pan out differently on the TV show than the novel? I mean, I would say the, the big moments, like the big, big moments, right. you know, beginning of the season, the end of the season, or a couple of big character turns are there because that's the story. You know, that's right. that's the character dynamic. But there's lots of little things. We, had, we, had, we introduced a new character, episode eight. She was never in the uh, book at all. She's been great. The actress uh, is tremendous. Uh, the character's name is Dutch. She's a big part actress? of uh, season two. Ruda, I can't pronounce her last name. Ruda Gedmintus. Okay. Ruda Gedmintus. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, everyone's fantastic on the show. I mean, it's <laughs> a great, great cast and uh, great crew, and everyone's great. And everyone's great in this room, too, and everyone's great everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Madam Producer, save yeah, that clip. Save also, that clip. Yeah, right. That? <laughs> yes. That's I, I, have a, I have a question. Yes, Mark. So, fan mail. You know, we have all this social media now. Mm. I imagine you get inundated with comments. Do you pay any attention to it? And I say this, so I watch Homeland, or you watch Sopranos, and you're like, so the character dies, or there's not enough of this, or too much of that. And, and, and I'm sure people express their opinions about the show. Does that affect you at all in terms you mean of going forward? total fan mail, including or not including what you send them? personally all right that's that's more, yeah what i said is probably over the because it's getting just, creepy yeah, yeah. Right. no that's just the, the rest of the people out, out there in the, the twitter right. sphere it doesn't it doesn't affect me at all i mean honestly it's all good it's so long as people are watching it's cool i feel like a lot of people's television experience is watching something and picking it apart and finding something wrong with it i literally think that's how people enjoy a lot of television reality television for sure so I we get the, a I, think lot the, of, I think the creators of lot of lost have have no pun intended lost their minds because of that the, the way that show well, our, picked our, apart. The, I feel so bad The showrunner on the strain is Carlton Cuse, who was uh, one of the showrunners. Oh yeah, on uh, Lost. So okay, we'll, so he survived. We'll yeah. avoid all those pitfalls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so no, it doesn't. I mean, I you know I find it kind of interesting sometimes, and the crazier the better because you're just like wow, people really you know. But what's what's really cool is when people develop theories or they're like I, I had this one comment from uh, someone who was like a friend of of a friend who's like. I want to ask you, like, this character keeps eating scrambled eggs. Like, does the egg thing relate to something in Lost and something else? And I'm like, absolutely it does, yes. It has nothing, it has nothing to do with the That's fact good. that eggs will last a long time on a hot set. And right. uh, you can eat them. Oh, and okay. Them. That's and, uh, hilarious. Nothing like that. It's all about theme and symbolism. But they say, you know, a lot of great, you know, writing sometimes does happen by accident. And that, I remember hearing an interview with the... The writer for the for uh, the movie Love Story. Now, uh, some of us in this room are old enough to remember that movie. You remember Love Story? I with, do. With, did I mention um, I'm turning fifty on Sunday? I think I did. What? Several is, times. In the what? In the movie, does she die at fifty? She dies way okay, before that, no, right? I'm just so yeah, why I you, do remember. Okay. Love Story. <laughs> oh, we're talking about Lies. what we are. I'm it's sorry, I was slow on the uptake. How are the yeah. how, how are the accents in Love Story? That's a good question. I don't remember. I, I feel like. It was Ryan O'Neill, like right? Was it Ryan O'Neill? Maybe, maybe Ryan O'Neill wasn't from. Yeah, maybe it was just Boston. I'm at Harvard, but I'm not from Harvard. Right. No wonder. But the famous line in that movie is um, uh, he's he he says I think he says I'm sorry, and she says love means never having to say you're sorry, and it became this iconic moment. And they asked the screenwriters over and over again, well, what does that really mean? And they said, you know, 
when we wrote the movie, we didn't know it was going to be successful, and we didn't know it's going to be subject to so much scrutiny. In other words, we have no idea. You know, apply whatever meaning you want. And I and uh, I heard an interview with uh, Matthew Weiner, 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 mm-hmm. uh, from Mad Men. Mm-hmm. And he kind of said the same thing. That the way people analyze Mad Men, they read all kinds of things well, into something it. Something on that. There's yeah. a theory floating out, floating out there about two weeks before, maybe a little bit before that, that Don Co- that, that Don Draper was DB Cooper. DB Cooper, yeah, yeah. And and he and, and he, he's dry heading out west, and he's going to get on that plane. He's going to hijack it and, and and steal the money and parachute down. Now. If Weiner had been setting all this up that whole time, and then it got theorized, yeah. and it was actually true, could you imagine the feeling he would have had? I don't. I, that, that, you would have been let down, or you would have been. Uh, if, if I'm Matthew Weiner and I have this big uh, bang at the end, yeah. and then it's all over the internet, yeah, you you, you, oh, you, oh, oh, you right. scramble and rewrite ahead of time. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that was sort of like in the, I'm obsessed with Lost today for some reason. It, the rumors started going around that the island was. Um, uh, purgatory, that it was just a, a symbolic representation of purgatory. Mm. And eventually the creators of the show came out and said, no, it's not purgatory. And thank God it wasn't, because like you say, it's like you can spoil, if someone's really smart and has a theory, they can yeah. spoil something even though they don't know. Yes, Sarah Darling, you have a question I do for have a question. Uh, our guest? Yes, I do have a question yeah. for our guest. So um, because you haven't had to sit through the torture of these these encounters every week. You don't know that. Um, particularly when David That's has the tagline for the quiz show. time. Uh-huh. I am the loser every single week on popular culture because I don't watch enough TV. I don't know what Mad Men right. is, whatever. Okay. However, what I do know, because I read some stuff, is that um, in the diabolical era of Star Trek, for instance, creepy fans would write their own episodes and mm-hmm. send them in to mm-hmm. writers mm-hmm. and say, here's what I imagine mm-hmm. happens next. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you get people now who they call that fan, they call that fan fiction yeah. now. Uh, I, didn't know it, I don't know what existed in the story. There's a lot story. of, uh, yeah. not a lot, but there's, yeah, people will For the write their own stories. Oh, yeah, sure. Really? And yeah, do they approach there. you and say, dude, no. here's what I think should happen next? The, you know, it's, it's right. one of the few good things about the internet is that they don't have to approach us. They can just put it out there and assume that I'm that I'm reading it and stealing their ideas because I can't come up with my own. That's So, by the way, apropos of nothing, as Bruno Mars would say, Chuck has his Chucks on. Chuck Hogan is actually wearing Chuck Taylors right now as we speak. Is that is that a little is that um, is, is the fondness for them because of the, the, because that's your of name? the name? No, this is a, this is sort of the writer. This is the, the, it's funny. The more time <laughs> I've spent out, I when I'm working on the show, I live in LA during the week and I come home on the weekend, so I spend a lot of time in Los Angeles and kind of the writer's uniform, a lot like the lawyer's uniform. It's you know jeans. Chuck Taylor's and a t-shirt, collared t-shirt if you really want to Did you impress. pick up the collared t-shirt? Did you pick right. not, not a Dewolf shirt, it's a collared t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah. If you really want to impress. Did That's you hear, did you hear the humble brag in that, in that uh, comment? There. Well, you know, I'm in LA all the time. This is like a kid that grew up in Canton. I know I know where you came from, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Um, which, <laughs> <laughs> but you, it's funny, you didn't inherit the, the wicked accent. And um, no. so I, I grew up in uh, Sharon, which is where we live now, and we meaning uh, me and Chuck and Mark, um, and uh, it, the and Sharon was like Canton's a wimpy little brother, but there were people that had the the hellacious accent. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure you grew up with some. Well, of my them. my parents uh, were uh, from South Boston. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They had you're in your really? hometown of uh, Boston, Rob. 
Uh, yeah. Boston, Boston, Rob Mariano. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. As is we it, say in Boston, see you later. Is it Mike Witt or somebody like that? Bobby Witt. Bobby, 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 Bobby Witt. Witt. Canton's, or as he was known, every time I heard his name mentioned, Canton's own Bobby Witt. Um, we got a few minutes left, Chuck. So you guys, I'm sure you still have a couple questions left. I want to know what you watch now. What are you most impressed by now? On and you can you can uh, or or what you're reading now as well. We'd, be, we'd love to hear that. I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't watch. A ton of TV. Uh, I watch I watch a lot of stuff with my kids. You know, and it's tough to find TV that you can watch with your kids. So I actually watch like Survivor and Big Brother. They're into that, like a reality show that we can follow along and tear apart. Um, I love True Detective. Looking forward to season oh, yes. two. Um, that was great. What um, do you think? I don't. You may have some inside knowledge mm-hmm. about True Detective season two, but mm-hmm. what does it mean? They've got two new characters, so it's um, it's all, what's his yeah, name? That, it's all uh, new characters. All new characters. So Vince Vaughn. Colin Farrell, Colin Rachel Farrell, Farrell, Rachel McAdams. So what I don't get is how it, why does why does it have anything to do at all with? The, I don't think it does. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it's it just doesn't. it's going to be. Which is all, honestly, it's a, it's a brand. Yeah, I mean, if right, I was, it's a brand. if I was going to have a TV show, that's what I'd want to do. Like switch it up every year, do something different. I just remember someone was going to say the yes. the, 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 the you talked about how um, you've had the the benefit of having the strain renewed, and it certainly sounds like you can bank on those five seasons at this point. Or maybe Chuck is shrugging, saying, "Who knows?" I don't but know. you're, you're, uh, but uh, it certainly looks that way. Um, sometimes it happens in reverse, where the, the, a show which is uh, critically acclaimed but not widely watched gets canned. Um, I was in love with the show called Family Tree on HBO. You didn't see it, did you? Anybody see uh-huh. it? So, have you seen the movie, the Christopher Guest movies? Oh yeah. Started with Spinal yeah. Tap, really, but Best in Show, Waiting for Government. It was it was his show, and he in fact, I mean, in his his usual ensemble troupe, and and um, Michael McKeon, and um, uh, what's her name, the actress who's so great from from Massachusetts, uh, Stifler's mom, uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer. Uh, I'm sorry, Jennifer. I can't remember her last name. She's great though, isn't she? I saw her on the train uh, one day. Uh, get off! She got off at Route 128. Anyway, um, but. Um, uh, so uh, this I is when Dave loses his point. I know you got all the way to happen. You can Jennifer on the train. So yeah, there was a I saw once on the train. Rescue shows that got canceled. I said hi to her. I said, "Are you Jennifer? Are you?" I knew it at the time. Good lord. Anyway, I love her too. Rescue of David Yeah, is happening right now because this this is something that right we are. And that was the day that Mark Freiberger took over the podcast. You are a luminary of of Boston. You're making your mark out in Hollywood and the rest of the world. How how does Boston how does growing up in Boston influence you when you're out there or or not? Um, you know what the cool thing about being the cool thing about not living out there but working out there is that I still am, you know. See, I just remember what it was. I'm Sorry. I'm still seen as a, <laughs> as a, as a Boston writer. You know, like there's so many script writers out in Hollywood. There you can get anybody, but if if you want to get me, you have to you call me on the phone three hours difference or get me out there and so it's there's actually uh like some sort of added value in a weird way to not being a screenwriter who lives in los angeles but someone who comes from a place uh that has its own sort of weird genre of uh, yeah. movies which is hip right now which i mean thank you damon and affleck to some extent right yeah i mean my theory is the boston accent is is kind of interesting and and like chicks dig it now because of Damon and Affleck. Why are you looking at me weirdly? By the way, when you make weird eyes at me, Sarah, it doesn't come out on the podcast. I'm not that good. What you were gonna say? What? Because I'm older than you, and sometimes yeah. you forget Donnie Wahlberg when well, you say Damon and Affleck. What about Donnie Wahlberg? Donnie and Marky, yeah. But I mean, still the Donnie. Say you're it. Go with Donnie. 
Yeah. Okay. Mark, Mark John. Okay. Mikey Mark Wahlberg got nominated for an Oscar for The Departed, right? Okay, you know, you know. Don so, Wahlberg was in Band right, of Brothers, and he's uh, I think yeah, here's so, so this isn't really like a plug because this is long ago. But the audiobook for Prince of Thieves was read by Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, that's thank you. In all, thank and you. and I'm I, I can't listen to my own work being read, but I'm told it's awesome. And it was you know like, I was this close to downloading. This is not a joke, but it was it's like twenty it's like twenty eight ninety nine or something. Yeah. If you if you get if you download the so I instead downloaded I haven't read it yet, but I downloaded. The, uh, There's 20 yeah. cents that I'm not going to get, but anyway. <laughs> um, you know what? Here's a buck. But uh, yeah, no, he read it really good, and then he called me up, like out of the blue, like the next day, and my wife answers, and she thinks it's one of my friends goofing. She's like, I think it's Donnie Wahlberg on the phone, and I'm like, hey, it's like, hey, I just read the book. He really liked it. He was working on, a, he was trying to develop a TV show set in Charlestown at that time, so. I met him in Charlestown. We walked around. Not a, not a reality show. Uh, no, no. This is like a. Because he got this his is like show a, No, no. This was yeah. a uh, a show. So yeah. you know, honestly, he was like the first person to really click with the material. He was like, "This is a fantastic book. This would make a great movie." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, I hope you're right. Was he, was he auditioning? He was trying to get that. He, he's, uh, he was. Uh, yeah. I mean, it had already been offered by someone else. He definitely wanted to. Uh, he's kind of the Johnny well. drama of his family, right? Um, so. Get, tell, give us a couple more celebs and important people that you've met that have impressed you like in a good way like people that are actually out there that are down to earth because we hear so many negative things I'd say uh, so I mentioned Jeremy Renner who was really cool I'll never forget so we uh, we premiered but you didn't we skipped over it so oh, Renner, Renner was uh, Renner is like a super nice guy and we premiered the movie at the Toronto Film Festival and it was the first time I'd seen it with an audience it was a giant theater and the movie played, you know, tremendously. And I just met him earlier that day. And he, the first thing he said he did was he apologized. Like, I didn't read the book, you know, but I got into the character. I'm great. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Whatever. He was the first person coming out. I, he was, like, coming coming up the aisle. I was standing with my agent. So I was just sort of in a daze. And he saw me. And he comes over. He's like, hey, congrats. I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks. This was really cool. Just, just a super down-to-earth guy. And Did you see him on uh, Louis? On the Louis show? No, didn't see him on the Louis oh, show. Oh, you got to watch that. He's, He's great. great. They do this two-show two yeah. arc. Anybody see it? Jeremy Renner is fantastic. Anyway, here's here's something that David will like. So then Blake Lively was also in the movie, and she was fantastic, and uh, she was really really nice also. And at Fenway Park, this happened in Fenway Park. After we uh, after the movie premiere, we had uh, like a little after party under the right field, you know, that new uh, concourse there. Yeah. And uh, it was time to go, and my agent was like, you know, you have to introduce me uh, so I introduced my agent to her and anyway she was like she was like anyway you know it was great it was such a great part and she got this other movie because of it and she was like oh you know and she gave me a hug and she hugged a writer and for an actress <laughs> to hug a writer <laughs> I can't it's hard for me to explain how rare that is and also how thin she was I was like myself I was right around uh, are you sure she nice. was there? <laughs> uh, well Chuck this has been awesome do you guys have any final Questions or thoughts for, uh, for Chuck? Um, actually, I'll throw out one more TV tip. You, you didn't happen to watch uh, Black Mirror, do you? No. Okay, so you, you'd be fascinated by it. You guys would too. It's my tip for the day. Black Mirror, it's a British TV series, which is sort of like the modern-day British version of The Twilight Zone, and it's a commentary on social media. That's why it's called Black Mirror. It's like you're staring into a black screen. Dave's TV tip for the day. Thanks. So uh, everyone should, if you, if you haven't read Chuck's book, certainly go on Amazon.com. If you, geez, if you haven't read Prince of Thieves, like me, I did download it. So Chuck, you won't get twenty cents; you'll get uh, four cents or whatever it is. And um, but also uh, read the Strain series. Watch the Strain on FX, right, Chuck? 
And what else should yep. we talk about? Oh, and we didn't talk about 13 Hours. Let's quickly tell people about that. You know what? I would love to plug this book that I didn't write at all, but it's amazing. <laughs> and I adapted it into a movie. It's being filmed now. It's going to be out next January. But it's called 13 Hours, and it's about the uh, the um, the Benghazi, uh, the consulate, and what went on there. It's written by a BU uh, professor of journalism named uh, Mitch Zukoff who's a fantastic writer, a friend of mine, and uh, he wrote it with the actual CIA contractors who answered the call, went over there, and all, you know, we hear about the four people who died there. They saved 25-plus uh, mm. people uh, and got them out. It's an incredible true story. It's a great book, and it's going to make an amazing movie. Excellent. All right. Chuck Hogan, Sharon Mass's own, well, he grew up in Canton, but he graduated up to uh, the beautiful town of Sharon. Number one place to live in America, per Money Magazine, last year, right? Absolutely, no place to go but down. I happen to be the moderator of the town. Chuck, I haven't seen you at a town meeting recently. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about that. Thank you so much to Chuck Hogan and uh, the Boston Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.